1: 15. On today's Fantasy Baseball in 15, we'll discuss the bullpen intrigue in the Bronx and a blow to the Dodgers' rotation.
0: Like death and taxes, Dodgers been a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's... not had uh, three go-throughs uh, yet. It works great three. in a fantasy. League. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist.
1: Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70 celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. Michael Beller and Al Melchior here with you today on this Thursday, July 8th. We had so much fun switching roles yesterday that we're just going to stick with it for a little while here. So uh, I'll be running through the news and notes to get us going. And Al's going to be just listening and chiming in when we've got some uh, news that we want to have a little bit of analysis on. Clayton Kershaw going to the IL with form inflammation. Uh, the Dodgers do have some internal options, of course. D- David Price Josiah Gray, who just returned from a shoulder impingement. And then Ryan Pepe down down that double A Tulsa has a 1.73 ERA, 57 strikeouts in 41 and two thirds innings. Al, just would any of these guys interest you, should they end up getting the role that Kershaw is leaving behind while he's on the IL?
0: Strangely enough, of the three that you mentioned, I think David Price probably interests me the least because maybe there's going to be a period of ramping up innings there. Uh, I have questions about Price's effectiveness, and of course, you know Gray is a, a highly touted prospect, uh, and uh, you know Pepiot's really, really intriguing with uh, what he's done at Double A Tulsa. So uh, I, I, at this point, I think, and I'll only—I'm just doing a kind of preemptive stash of Pepiatt, and uh, you know, I'd be very interested in him or Gray and Price to a certain extent. Yeah, don't imagine this team would be too
1: active in the starting pitcher market either unless they think that this is something that's going to really harm Kershaw deep into the regular season. Eddie Rosario going to the I.L. with an abdominal strain. Uh, the Indians recalled Daniel Johnson, who's at starts, uh, who started excuse me, in uh, right field against the Rays. Uh, speaking of that, Vidal Brujan got his uh, debut, went one for six in the doubleheader, we will give him a pass on the one for six in his first day in the majors. The Rays threw a combined seven-hitting no-hitter in uh, one of those two games, uh, McHugh, Fleming, Castillo, Whistler, and Fairbanks getting in on the fun. Can we just get rid of these seven inning games? Feels like little league. Domingo Herman <laughs> scratched versus Seattle due to an emergency root canal was able to pitch in relief, which. I mean, that feels like an accomplishment in itself. Uh, Cubs dealing with some more injuries. Javier Baez was scratched before the game with a right thumb sprain. Chris Bryant left during the game with a hamstring strain. He is considered day-to-day. Jake Arrieta going to the IL with what the Cubs are calling a tight hamstring, but really it's just because he's bad. Trevor Williams may start Sunday against the Cardinals, and I don't think we need to worry about that too much in the fantasy world. Ozzie Albies left the Braves game against the Pirates with a tight neck. That is something we do have to worry about in the fantasy world. Hopefully that's not... (laughs) Thank you. The <laughs> cat too serious of a uh, injury. Justin Upton and J.D. Davis not expected to return until after the All-Star break. Jacob DeGrom probably not going to pitch in the All-Star game, which is a bummer, but the Mets may get him a short appearance on Sunday against the Pirates just to keep that arm active before he does have a few days off. The White Sox finally DFA'd Adam Eaton, and that really says a lot considering all the injuries they're dealing with. Starting outfield on Wednesday was Brian Goodwin, Adam Engel, and Billy Hamilton, so Adam Eaton not good enough to crack that trio trevor rosenthal will not return in 2021 just been a season filled with injuries for him and we've got our usual bullpen hijinks to talk about here at the end of our news and notes al first chad green getting the save for the yankees against seattle uh
0: we think this is a short-term thing right but how short-term and how interested are you in chad green well, I, I do tend to think it's a short-term thing. And we've talked about this now, you know, three, four times in the last several weeks with uh, Aroldis Chapman and his struggles and kind of looking at past examples of this to try to figure out how uh, this is going to be managed. And this isn't the first time that Chapman has gotten a breather from the role when when he has struggled, but he always does come back. So I, I'm assuming it's the same thing. But by the same token, uh, I am interested in picking up Chad Green because the way that saves are in, in fancy and in the real world right now, even if you've got somebody who's going to split some saves, uh, with an incumbent closer, that that's somebody that's got some value And greens, the kind of reliever who also, you know, puts up good stats to give him value with, you know, just a little bit of, of saves on the side. So that for me, that's enough.
1: Yeah, wouldn't be surprised to see Green hold this role through the rest of the first half, and then maybe the Yankees start working Chapman back into that to start the second half. But uh, you're definitely right in that Green can provide value for you, even when he's not getting saved. So definitely a good guy to go after. I don't know about Heath Hembry. He did get the save for the Reds uh, against the uh, Royals. He's had a nice season to date 46 Ks in 27 innings, has given up eight homers. So that's not exactly what you're looking for in a closer, but. I mean, we just talked about this yesterday. We can, I guess, uh, reiterate it. I, I mean, are we trusting anyone in Cincinnati or you're just letting your league mates deal with that headache?
0: Yeah, it, it, even as I just kind of made the disclaimer that, yeah, no, sure, I'll give Chad Green a whirl because, uh, you know, saves are saves. Uh, I, I, I'm more interested in him than Embry just because of the um, the, the skill set there. And the eight home runs in 27 innings, That that is a bit extreme, especially mm-hmm. given the home park that he pitches in. So it's it's a strange line. I, I he's getting a lot of strikeouts, no doubt about that. Maybe he's going to be getting a lot of save chances going forward, but I just think he's somebody who could pitch his way out of that role. Uh, everyone in Cincinnati can
1: pitch their way out of that role. We've seen them prove that this season. Josh Hader blew his first save of the season against the Mets. Have a feeling he has not pitched his way out of that role no. just yet. I think Craig Council is going to give Josh Hader a little bit of a leash. Let's get on to Wednesday's standouts. We got a couple of pitchers to uh, kick things off here. First, I guess we should have bought into Brady Singer. Ali and I both selling him as a streamer. He went out. Uh, Struck out six, gave up just one run on five hits in six innings, one walk against the Reds. And then we've got Hunjin Ru, uh, a really encouraging start for him against the Orioles. Five innings, five hits, one run, two walks, and seven Ks. Um, anything that either of those guys brought out? Anything from either of those starts that you take away that you feel is actionable for the remainder of the season or even just something in the short term?
0: Well, I think for Singer, it's uh, just – a little bit of confirmation of what we did talk about uh, on Wednesday's show that uh, he's somebody who's due for some bad bit progression. And then the underlying skills they are you know, leave you with somebody who's, who's a viable pitcher in 12 team leagues. So I think this is an illustration of that. And as for Ryu, um, we've been missing the strikeouts from him. He got them against the Orioles. Maybe it's matchup driven, but uh, you know, we'll take it. Uh, I think that's just a little piece of data to take with you into the break. Uh, when you're considering maybe what to do with him uh, coming out of the break. It doesn't really matter who the matchup
1: is in terms of just being encouraging. And and you like to see the strikeouts. You like to see that the strikeout stuff is still there. And of course, doing it against the Orioles and doing it, against the Red Sox would be two different things, but you still just like to see it going into the break that he has found some sort of strikeout stuff, and hopefully it sticks around in the second half. One we did get right yesterday was Michael Pineda said, yeah, it's nice he's coming off the I.L. Let's maybe pump the brakes in this first start. He did not look great against the White Sox. Did get through five and a third, so I guess it was nice to see him be able to throw that many pitches making his first start off the I.L. 12 hits, five runs, uh, four strikeouts against the the white Sox, but hey at least he was healthy right I mean I, I wouldn't penalize him for this start going forward
0: yeah I think that this is the whole situation with Pineda uh and you wait and see how he performs in his next start or to uh after this one but um yeah yeah it does feel like premature is a drop for him mm-hmm. but I've got some concerns I'm not not quite ready to get him back into the active rotation just yet
1: I think that's totally fair, but yeah, I'm just I'm just saying like if you are if you are if you were holding him if he was already on your roster going into this start he shouldn't be off your roster because of this start and uh, we'll see what he does coming out of the break there Jordan Holloway uh, getting in the game after Ross Detweiler goes four and a third innings two hits no runs no walks six strikeouts against the loss. Angeles Dodgers, anyone does that against the Dodgers, they are certainly going to grab our attention. How firmly
0: has he grabbed your attention, Al? Well, I think he definitely needs to be rostered in NL only wherever he is available. I think he needs to be on the watch list of maybe 15 team mixed leagues. Uh, It's an impressive performance in somebody who's got some prospect pedigree and maybe an opportunity to to get some starts after the break. So uh, this definitely should be a start that gets our attention. Yeah, right? You do that against the Dodgers, you're definitely going to be
1: uh, on our radar, that is for sure. And you deserve to be, even just in four and one-thirds innings. You're able to look that good against you know arguably what's still the best team in Major League Baseball. I think you're going to uh, get some fantasy owners' attention. Larry Garcia getting a little bit of our attention, went three for four in that aforementioned win for the White Sox, knocking around Michael Pineda, uh, hit his third home run of the season, his third triple of the season. And the thing with Garcia is that, as we talked about with Adam Eaton being DFA'd, He's going to get to play. He's going to get some playing time, at least in the short term. How much does that interest you?
0: I would say for Garcia, really not that much. And part of the reason is that uh, even though now the White Sox have lost an entire outfield, that uh, you know, I'm not sure where the playing time comes for Jake Berger. I'm not sure uh, at this point. You know, how frequently Sheets plays, how frequently I mean, Garcia, you would think with his versatility, he's going to play every day or close to every day. He has been lately uh, and he certainly has some appeal, maybe 15 teams if if he does so. But even with uh, the injuries and now the DFA of Adam Eaton, I'm still not sure where, you know, a lot of these young, talented, talented players fit in. He
1: Garcia's got to play every day because we also remember the Nick Madrigal injury, and Larry Garcia can yes. play second base too, and will be playing a lot of second base for the White Sox, so he's going to play, and so if you need a body that's going to be playing every day in your lineup, I think Larry Garcia is someone who you can look at, just keep your expectations in check. Garrett Cooper went 3-for-3 with a pair of home runs and a walk against the Dodgers. We've seen this from Garrett Cooper before, right? I mean, the guy hits for power when he gets to play. It seems as though playing time has been a bit of a surprising conundrum for him over his career because he does this when he plays. Do you buy the fact that maybe he can get a little
0: bit more playing time going forward? I think he can. I think he is the sort of hitter who can hit his way into more playing time. And with Corey Dickerson gone, that that opportunity I think is there more so now. And when the the Marlins made that trade, uh, you know, the thing that that you and I had focused on it, and I think rightfully so, is that this opened the door for Jesus Sanchez to to get a, a long leash and uh, you know really get some regular playing time. And that's certainly played out. But I think that. Maybe we ignored Garrett Cooper a little bit, that uh, maybe he's not going to be an everyday player right now, but I think he's going to be much closer to that with Dickerson out of the mix. suppose there's also a chance that he finds
1: his way out of Miami over the next few weeks. You get a bat like that, a guy who's got that pop, maybe he's going to be interesting to some teams looking for someone who can come off the bench and provide power like that. Thursday streamers, we've got just a couple of guys we're going to look at here. Adbert Alzelay, I'll actually be looking at him in person uh, with the Cubs taking on the Phillies later tonight. And then Adrian Hauser gets the Reds. Do both of these guys pass muster
0: for you, Al? And if they both do, who do you prefer? Uh, I would say definitely Alzelay. So, you know, stream of Michael, and, and then, you, you know, you double your fun when you go to the game. <laughs> uh, Hauser, I'm not so sure. I mean, I, I've pretty much said no to Hauser every time that he comes up. Uh, just because the the strikeout potential is the strikeout ceiling is pretty low there, uh, but he has been effective, so uh, I, I wouldn't totally rule it out, but I, I I would lean against it. So I think for me, it's just Al's lie. Yeah, I think
1: we're in the same boat here. And Alzolay has been uh, a, a little bit rockier recently than he was earlier in the season, but it's really just the home runs. He is, you know, the, if you look at his ERA, you see a low end rotation pitcher. If you look at his WHIP, you see a potential, you know, future front line guy. And you look at his strikeout rate, you see that too. So if he could just find a way to keep some more balls in the park, that would be very good. And I'll say for those of you who are thinking about streaming him, I am sitting here about three, four miles away from Wrigley Field. It is a great day in Chicago, it is going to be unseasonably cool high 60s, low 70s when this first pitch is thrown, so not a bad day to pitch in Chicago, that is for sure. Let's roll through the stock watch here players on the upswing, Starlin Castro he's got a 9 game hitting streak in his last 19, he is 25 for 67 1 homer and 7 doubles and Mike Fultonevich. 4 of his last 8 starts, he went at least 7 innings over his last 3, 20 innings pitched 16 strikeouts, 2 walks, a 3.60 ERA and an 1-point. Nine percent swinging strike rate. Castro Fultonevich, have they changed the way you look at them with these recent hot streaks?
0: I, I think so, in a minor way. I mean, Castro's somebody I have dumped in fifteen teamers. Now I want him back. There's not much power there. There's some doubles power, but uh you know, in that uh, Nationals lineup, I think that he can contribute in the counting stats. And Fultonevich is kind of interesting. Uh, I think we saw you know similar run like from Jose Urania earlier this year, um, and that didn't last. So, uh, but Fulton Evans is somebody who, if he manages contact well enough, he can go really deep into games. And that does have some value, especially in deep leagues. On the other side, Yuli Gurriel, 5 for 33 uh,
1: over his recent stretch here. Still very good season-long stats, but 3.7% barrels per batted ball event. Something to think about. Joe Musgrove over his last four, 22 innings pitched, 14 Ks, 9 walks, and a four-five ERA. The ERA estimator is about a run higher as well. For me, this is just short-term. That's what happens in
0: baseball. I'm not too worried about those guys. Do you take a different tack? No, that's exactly it. I think they'll both find their level. Guriel especially. He's just not a guy who who barrels up, but he still puts up the stats anyway. Musgrove, I'm a little bit more concerned. Not anything actionable yet, but definitely keeping an eye out for his next start or two to see how it goes. Definitely want to see those
1: guys bounce back sooner rather than later. Al and I will be bouncing right back with you on Friday's episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. Anywhere where you can give us a rating, a review, and a subscription, we would greatly appreciate it. And we can't wait to talk to you tomorrow morning. For Al Melchior, I'm Michael Beller. That's Fantasy Baseball in 15. Mm -hmm.